Hello everyone and welcome back to the Andrew Steele podcast. It's Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl Saturday Eve. This is like Christmas Eve for sports fans. It is the big game, Super Bowl 58 on Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm really excited about this matchup. It's actually one of those rare Super Bowls I'm not rooting for a team. You know, years before, I, I wanted the Rams to beat the Bengals so Matthew Stafford could get his ring. I wanted the Rams to beat the Patriots because, I mean, well, who you know who wants the Patriots to win? I wanted the Chiefs to beat the Eagles last year because, look, I'm a New York sports fan. It's sacrilege to root for any Philly sports team. But, you know, this year, I re- like it would be cool for the Chiefs to win because, you know, it's then three rings for Mahomes and, and we can really start ramping up that dynasty talk. But it'd also be pretty sweet if the 49ers won. I mean, I, I really respect Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. I'd like to see him join his dad as, as the only father-son duo to, to win a Super Bowl as head coach. You know, Chris McCaffrey is, is going to go down as one of the best running backs in the game. It'd be great to see Trent Williams get a ring and, and kind of cap off what's been a what could be a Hall of Fame career. And then, you know, Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft, he's he's had to deal with so much kind of criticism and and doubt and the, the whole game manager crap, which we which I'll get into with, with my guest on the pod shortly. So I'm just really looking forward to it. I, the only thing I'm hoping for is there's no bad officiating decision that, that decides the game. Uh, that's the worst thing that can happen to a sports event where it's decided by outside um, forces. So I, I just want a really good, fun game, even if it's a defensive battle, as I'm kind of expecting. And uh, yeah, and I, I just can't believe football season's nearly over. But the only good thing is with the end of the, the Super Bowl, it means that baseball season is almost here. So that is always good. But I'm going to take you to our conversation. Joining me on the pod today is Joseph Clark from Toilets to Titles, my good friend. Whenever I want to talk football, Joe is the guy. He's he's so great. And uh, we, we had a long chat, really dived into kind of a, a lot of the tentacles of this Super Bowl, and then finished off with a little Jets and Giants talk because it's not uh, uh, Andrew and Joe get together unless we do talk our New York sports teams. So without further ado... I'm going to pass you over to my conversation with Joe. I'm biased, but this is the perfect pre-game listening you need before the Super Bowl. So uh, enjoy. So it is Christmas Eve for sports fans. It is the night before the Super Bowl. So whenever I want to have a good football conversation, I always bring on my good friend Joseph Clark from Toilets to Titles. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show again. And because it is Super Bowl weekend, we're uh, we're having a little drink to uh, to celebrate the occasion. Absolutely. I, I was out of beer, so I grabbed myself... Uh, Fireball cinnamon whiskey, which has got some nice, nice cinnamon taste to it, obviously, and not too much kick. It's like it's not too much kick there, so it's perfect. I'm out of I'm out of beer. I see that you're drinking Bud Light, which is one of my favorite go tos as well. For me, the lighter the beer, the better. Yeah, I think it's what the the kids would call being a basic bitch, but 
<laughs> it's Super Bowl weekend is the only way to do it. So uh yeah, they can call me whatever. I, <laughs> I like it going through I like it going through me through me like water. <laughs> so Super Bowl fifty eight is is Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. It's in Vegas. Everything is bigger and brighter in Vegas. There's been a lot going on this week. A hell of, a hell of a lot in terms of, you know, the Super Bowl week is always a big story, but it seems to be a lot bigger this week because of the gambling thing, which I've got a little rant to go on, but also a certain Taylor Swift is certainly, you know, I've, I've had CNN on yeah. all day in the background and they would, you know, they would obviously talk about the Super Bowl, but I'm pretty sure when it's one of the lead topics on three of their main talking head shows. You you yeah. know it's because there's something going on. So um, it, it has been a very interesting week, but what's kind of been the, the one standalone takeaway from you if you've got one from kind of uh, this week and how it's gone down so far? You know what? That That's a great point because um, I normally don't pay too much attention to this stuff leading up to the Super Bowl. I get start get I start getting very excited for the game. Um, you know, Saturday today, the gate, the day right before the Super Bowl, and I don't really pay attention to all the press conferences and stuff. I, I don't care about that stuff really. And if something crazy does happen, like a player gets suspended, I'm going to hear about that. Um, but that's a great point. The thing about you know Taylor Swift, and and before I go there, real quick, thank you for having me, me back on, Andrew. I greatly enjoy talking sports, My especially pleasure. Media, but all sports and. Uh, and it's uh, so definitely looking forward to when you sent me the invite this morning. Um, very, very, very happy to be here. And uh, but yeah, you know, Taylor Swift, like I was getting annoyed and I don't care. I have nothing against Taylor Swift. I like some of her songs. I guess when someone, you know, I hear a pretty cool song on the radio and maybe my son points out, oh, this is Taylor Swift. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Um, uh, I have nothing against Taylor Swift. You know, what I do find annoying is how much the NFL is pushing it. I realize she she's a huge personality. You know, she's she's a big name. You know, and she's got a lot of people. You know, especially women and, and younger women. Uh, you know, teenage girls or and older who are you know really really into her, the Swifties, and and that's fine. I, like I'm not critical of that. Everyone's entitled to their opinion on music or whatever. I don't care. Uh, but when it came like during the middle of the regular season, say like a Monday night football game or Sunday night or Thursday night football game, Chiefs run. And the camera is constantly panning to Taylor Swift. That I found annoying. Like to me, I just thought that was a distraction. And uh, so that was kind of like an extra impetus, come to think of it, for me not to pay attention <laughs> to the lead up to the Super yeah. Bowl uh, this year. But again, I've got nothing against Taylor Swift. It's more like the NFL, you know, like, hey, we can get all these, we can get more people to watch the game if we're, you know, putting the camera on Taylor Swift and, you know, uh, more. And I just find that to be a distraction from the game. I'd rather see more replays i'd rather hear what the commentators are saying you know uh but how, how about you what's your what's your feeling what's been your take oh, takeaways from the past week and a half two weeks yeah so i i have a i have a couple of things so i i was just gonna say actually it is very apt that the super bowl is in vegas given that we're both drinking on today's show as well because this is the first drop of alcohol i've had since I was in hospital earlier in the year. So if things do go off the rails, then I'm relying on you to take over. But I, I think Absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, I think it's going to be a really good event 
itself mm-hmm. in Vegas. Vegas has proven yeah. itself to be a sports mecca in its own right. I mean, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, what they've done, the Las mm-hmm. Vegas Aces and the WNBA. I mean, they've built an incredible mm-hmm. following um, in, in, in that market. They're going to get a baseball team, whether it's the Oakland days or not, it, it shouldn't be, but that's, uh, that's a story for a different, you know, right. a different day, but they, they've proven themselves that they are a sports mecca. So I think the game itself is going to be a really fun event. And um, we'll, we'll get more into the game itself shortly. I think the Taylor Swift, uh, so I I have no, I really like Taylor Swift. I'm, I'm a big fan of her music. I, I think at this point, the whole, like her love story with Travis Kelsey is genuine. I, I don't think oh, yeah. you'd have to be, you know, a multi-Oscar winning actor or actress to be able to fake what they've got going on. And, and I don't even mind... Like, I, I kind of get the, and I think she even got annoyed herself at the camera panning to her constantly. I mean, there was something the other week where it, it panned to her and there was like an advert for the Grammys and she kind of told the camera to, you know, go F itself, basically. So I think even she's kind of very much like, look, I'm just here to support my boy, my boyfriend, that's it. And, and, and I'm kind of expecting that there's going to be a few shots of her early on tomorrow because of the whole she's racing back from um uh, show so, in Japan, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean overall I think it's been good because it, it's brought more eyeballs on to the game we love. And I mean there's gonna be people watching the Super Bowl tomorrow that's never watched it before. And when you've got, you know, Swifties putting together videos of Jason Kelsey, that's when you know um, you know, my my only thing I guess is like I've seen today there's like grown men who are business insiders that are literally tracking every flight into LA. And that for me, when you're tracking a flight that a woman in her twenties is on, that is bordering on creepy and a little bit upset. I I don't, we don't like, we know she was in, in, um, you know, we know that she, she did a gig last night. We know that she's expected to be at the Super Bowl. We don't need to be, Track it, it's just a bit obsessive. That would be my only thing. I think well, everything else I'm fine with, but that, that's that. what I'm getting at. Like, I've got nothing against her. I've got nothing against the relationship with Travis. I hope they get married. I hope they have many kids and you know, and they raise them well. I, I, I don't care. But it's what everyone else has made out of out of it, her relationship or her, or just being at the games. Like that I just find to be annoying. It's, it's like uh it's like forcing stuff down my throat that I'm here to watch the game. You know, like, I don't like you want to show her a, a handful of times. No, oh, that's totally cool. But that, it, you know, especially when she first started showing up and I don't want to go too much on this, but I'll end it here. I'll just say when she first started showing up at the games, they were panning on her all the time. And one game I'm like, all right, no big deal. Second game I saw was like a primetime game. Chiefs. I'm like, so please don't start doing this. Like, I don't want to see this all the time. And again, it is nothing against Taylor or Travis, the relationship. I don't care. It's what other people you know and the nfl and sponsors yada yada you know just i feel like it's being forced down my throat and there is that creepiness factor that yeah. you were just, that you were just bringing up to i'm with you man I, but you know hats off to vegas i'm really happy for vegas and uh i'm very happy they're having the super bowl there i'm glad they they finally got you know teams in in vegas because i remember they used to you know they used to say like you know it's kind of like common knowledge for a lot you know something that would just be thrown around with, I don't think too much, too much thought behind it. That like Vegas can never have teams because, uh, because they have gambling. Well, you got gambling everywhere now. And not just that Vegas, 
for a while here in America, it's been one of the fastest growing cities in terms of population. How do you not allow them to have teams? Sorry, they've got yeah, gambling there. Exactly. But if I were a professional athlete in Vegas, I'm not going to be doing something I'm not supposed to do. You know, it's like, you you know, you got players in Atlanta or wherever who like, you know, gamble when they're not supposed to or gamble on their own games and they're not supposed to like, just, you know, just deal with it. I, I'm glad they've got their, you know, they got a football team yeah. over there. And, uh, that's a beautiful stadium. It's really cool. Yeah, and one thing I I I kind of want to get into the the matchup itself, but just one thing on the gambling, like again, that I I noticed that on CNN today, along with the Taylor Swift stuff, is you know they're dragging up comments from Roger Goodell from years ago saying we're never going to get into bed with gambling. Like it, it it's not a story because it's the same with all the other commissioners and all the other sports. You know, Gary Bettman with the NHL, um, Manfred in in baseball, and and Adam Silver with with the NBA, like. Ultimately, and and it, it there's some similarities with the Taylor Swift stuff in terms of it being good for the league financially. The whole gambling thing is it because it pads their pockets. Like gambling to the sports league is worth so much. So you can go back as many years as you want and look at well, they said, but it's money, so of course they're going to take it. So I, I don't, mm. I don't really get that being a story because yeah. gambling is now being prevalent in sports. Uh, a while now. Oh yeah. So I kind of, it, it's almost been an excuse to people who don't agree with it to come out and, and bash the league around the head with it this week. But yeah, listen, it's like you gamble from your phone, you know, it's been going, you push the button on an app, you know, it, it's, it's easy. You know, it could be a rival. Like we've got toilets and titles, which you mentioned before, which, you know, I'm on toilets and titles. Like, you know, we've got um rival is like a, we have like a, a partnership with them. You know, we do, um, I'm not, maybe it's in season, but like we do, um, uh, or at least uh, Justin does, uh, half Justin Stevens does like half hour shows for Rival uh, every week, at least in season. And, uh, you know, we have a partnership with them and it's like, you know, it's pretty much everywhere. I don't even gamble. The only gambling I ever do no. is like once in a blue moon. It's nothing against it. I just, once in a blue moon, I play poker with my friends here in town and, uh, and I'll, um, you know, and, and that's kind of it. You know, I don't really, I don't go crazy myself. I'm just, it's just not me, you know, but God bless everyone else who gets into the prop bets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I've got nothing against people that do. I'm actually working on something for the site on this. I, I, I've just never seen the appeal as, as a sports fan. All I want to do is sit there and watch the game and not be on my phone. Yeah. Do it like, the, same like way. the Super Bowl, for example, I don't want to be on my phone kind of being distracted i want to literally no. just you, you know a bowl game, yeah i want a bowl of chips in one hand a beer in the other i just yeah. want to watch the, the game that's all i want so let's yeah. get into the game so i think it's fair to say that the entire country other than san francisco were rooting for the for the lions they were a really cool story yeah i think how could you not exactly they're not just a cool story because i think every sports fan can relate to, to what that fan base has been through in terms of just being a dumpster fire on the field and 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 just have losing season after losing season. But they've got a really cool head coach in Dan Campbell. They they play football the old-fashioned way. You know, it's bully ball. They're going to run the ball down your throat. They're, yeah. they're going to... I love know, it. Yeah, and, it, and it's great. It's my style of football. <laughs> and and it would have been it would have been great to, to see Detroit in a Super Bowl, but I don't think there's any denying that this matchup is is an elite best. one, and it's one laced yeah. with 
with really a, a bunch of compelling storylines. As, as you said, it's it's the best team in the regular season this year in the 49ers bar that three-game stretch mm-hmm. over Christmas. The Chiefs are, are building a dynasty, and we'll get onto that 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 shortly. But there's so many really intriguing um, storylines. And I think not least that if the Chiefs win on Sunday, that's Mahomes' third Super yeah. Bowl, mm-hmm. which puts him into some elite company. So that so if if Mahomes does win on Sunday, he will join Tom Brady, mm-hmm. who has seven, Terry Bradshaw, who has four, Joe Montana, who has four, and Troy Aikman, who has three as the only quarterbacks to hoist a Lombardi trophy at least three times. So he's all, and and he's not even 29 yet. So he's already in rarefied air. And, and obviously if the chiefs do win every single sports talk show, every single big sports network show Monday and lasting for the week, all you'll hear is dynasty talk. But I think if they do win, I think that's warranted given what they've done. Oh, you have to. I mean, they're still, listen, they're going to be a dynasty. If they don't win their third Super Bowl tonight, they are going to win it sometime, you know, over the next few years, like their third Super Bowl. They will win. I mean, it's one of those combinations of Mahomes and Reed. It's like Belichick and Brady. Like, they're not going anywhere, and you can never, ever. I'm not betting against the Chiefs. You know, I saw that. Maybe I shouldn't bring them now because I guess we could be talking about bets or prop bets later. But, you know, there's uh, there's a spread of one and a half. uh, 49ers are giving a point and a half. I'm taking the Chiefs because it's the same thing for me in my mind with Brady and, and you know, like the Brady Belichick days that I'm never, I'm never begging, I'm never betting against, you know, that combination. I, you know, they won two thirds of the Super Bowls that are in, you know, the Patriots with Brady and Belichick. And, you know, uh, the Chiefs are pretty much on pace too. Not that the 49ers can't do it, but I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. You look at last year, you look at the box score for last year's game, it's insane. What was the final score, like 35-30 or something like that? And Patrick Mahomes threw for like 187 yards. And you'd be thinking, there's no way you're winning against the Eagles who are a stacked team when you threw for like 187 yards. It's incredible. Um, So it's just, I'm sorry. Like to me, I think the 49ers are a better team on paper uh, than the Chiefs. But I just can't bet. I just can't bet against Mahomes. I just can't do it. There, there was a game, it, it was the last few weeks of the regular season and the Chiefs are really struggling offensively, which which has been the story all year. And Mahomes did something and I tweeted out and, and, I, and I've tweeted the same tweet out a few times this year. That's why you never bet against Mahomes. Someone came back to me, you know, with laughing faces and said, well, they're not going to do anything. I kind of want to send, you know, quote tweet that tomorrow, but I, I'm going to try and yeah. not be that petty. But I, I I like keeping receipts. I believe in keep. I, I like when people keep receipts. There's nothing you, wrong with it, Andrew. You have nothing wrong with getting back to him like a year later. And hey, remember, and just what you were just saying about like you know they were struggling offensively. You know, people have said, well, you know, regarding you know favor of the forty, you know, being in favor of the 49ers or betting on them, like oh, you know, uh, Mahomes doesn't have any wide receivers. He didn't have any wide receivers last year. No. Rasheed Rice doesn't scare me. The only person that scares me is Travis Kelsey. Pacheco, Pacheco doesn't even really scare me that much as a running back, to be honest with you, to be honest with you especially with the 49ers' run defense. Um, but, you know, like I said, they don't scare me, but just Mahomes is such a gifted, great quarterback. 
unnaturally gifted quarterback that if you just if you're as a wide receiver you can just buy yourself a little bit of time get a little open just a little bit he's going to get the ball in your hands and he'll spread it around he doesn't have Tyree Kill he doesn't need Tyree Kill you know last year Kadarius Tony kind of sort of like at least for 48 hours became like a household name you know where is he now and where was he even before that game you know so I don't know never ever bet against Mahomes ever well, as you said, you look at their Super Bowl win last year, the two receivers who made the two biggest plays were Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Um, oh, I even forgot about Sky Moore. Yeah, yeah he's pretty they, good. They, they were the two. But it, I, as you said, I think the point has been made for a while that you never ever bet against Mahomes, but that's been made crystal clear this year because he's had no help. I think Kelsey obviously is, is kind of missed the beat for, for most of the year, but... Uh, there's a couple points. This whole argument about, you know, does experience matter? They've proven that because when they've got to the postseason, Mahomes has leveled up, Kelsey has leveled up. And I, and I think, and I, so a friend of mine is an Eagles fan. And I every week I was trying to talk them down from the ledge this year. I would use the same argument. Well, maybe they learned from last year because they looked gassed at times in the Super Bowl last year, and maybe they're just leaving a little bit in reserve, which I know is hard to do in football, but maybe they're just, you know, realising it's a marathon and not a sprint. And I think with the Chiefs this year, I'm not saying that that was their approach, because I think generally they did struggle, and it took them a while to figure things out. But you saw that as soon as the playoffs began, that big game mentality and that experience came through and Kelsey's been unstoppable and I, and I think when you look at this matchup I mean the, the the thing that's really helped Mahomes this year has been that defense right I mean they averaged they allowed 17.3 points per game during the regular season and then just 13.7 points per game allowed during the playoffs which is incredible like that yeah. is is incredible so Sunday's going to go either one or two ways. It's, it's either going to be an absolute all-out quarterback duel, which I don't think is going to happen. But I don't if, think so either. If that happens, then my money's on Mahomes over Purdy, and we'll get on to Purdy because that's not being disrespectful, but my money's on Mahomes every day of the week. And then if it's what I expect it to be, and it's an absolute titanic battle of two great defences, then my money's still on Mahomes because – if you said to me, right, you can draft one quarterback to have make the the play in the biggest moment of the game, it's Mahomes. I I would take Mahomes over anybody, including Brady. Which some yeah. people are going to say he's crazy because Brady's you know jingling and jangling his his way to the Hall of Fame with seven rings, but Mahomes is technically a more gifted football player. And oh, he can he can make things happen out of nowhere, and and him and Kelsey in the postseason especially have this kind of you know Siamese twin connection, and and I just think as you said, you can't bet against Mahomes, and there is no way that I can't see him making a big play when it matters on Sunday. Yeah, oh, I know I, I love every point you made because I'm a huge believer in playoffs when it comes to experience. And um, it means something. It, it really does. Like, um, like last, like I don't think last year's 
victory over the Eagles really had, you know, obviously I, you can always attribute experience, um, uh, I guess, to every victory, you know, when it's been an experienced team like the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, you get your inexperienced teams that, that win as well. Uh, but it counts for so much. Like, it, you've been there. You know what it's like. You know what it takes. You don't panic. Like, I think about the 49ers back on, again, I'm 52. I grew up in the 1980s. So I think of, I can think of uh, the San Francisco 49ers going for their third Super Bowl win, 1988, whatever Super Bowl number it was against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, Joe Montana and the rest of those guys had, you know, were in their third Super Bowl. They've been there before. They're playing against the Bengals, who hadn't been there like in seven or eight years, but it was a whole new generation of Bengal players anyway. And the Bengals had them on the ropes with like two minutes left in the game. And 49ers have the ball. Last thing you want to see as a Bengals fan is Joe Montana or Brady or Mahomes with the ball in their hands and yeah, two minutes exactly. to go. And what does Montana do? He goes into the he goes into the huddle to start, you know, at their 20-yard line or whatever it was, two minutes, minute and a half. And, uh, and uh, you know, famous story is that he gets in the huddle and uh, he's just kind of joking around. And he says to his teammates, like, hey, did you see John Candy in the stands over there? You know, people aren't familiar with John Candy. He was a famous comedic actor back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, so, and his teammates were like, how the hell are you noticing John Candy right now? <laughs> you know, we've got two minutes to go down this field, but he's trying to lighten things up. And it's just that, hey, he's been there. He's won. He knows what it takes to win. And that's the same thing with Mahomes and Kelsey and the rest of the crew, especially on the offense. And you look at the defense, it's funny because we talk about like, you know, the lack of receivers outside of Kelsey on the Chiefs, the, the Bengals, not Bengals, <laughs> uh, the Chiefs have quietly over the past few years, um, especially ever since their loss in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers a few years ago, have really, de- have really developed their defense. And they're becoming almost kind of like outside of, outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, kind of becoming like a defensive-centric team. Like that's kind of like where they're – I'm not saying that's where their center of gravity is, but I almost feel like they're almost better on defense than, they're, than they are on offense. Um, just obviously they've got the best quarterback today. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like this, they're, not fully, they're not fully unloaded on offense like they used to when they had Hill, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt, you know, and Travis Kelsey. It's basically, it's Travis Kelsey. I think a pretty good, but not great Pacheco, to be honest with you, in my opinion. And then a bunch of no-name wide receivers, you know. Um, but I think the defense has become really, really solid. And it's led by a defensive coordinator who's got Steve Spagnuolo, who now has what he's going for his own, I think, fourth, fourth Super yeah. Bowl rank. Because he's he had one with the Giants, with my New York Giants, back in 07, Super Bowl 42. So he's going for his fourth ring. So this guy, really good defensive coordinator, probably doesn't get the ring, doesn't have the name recognition and many others, but uh, he's one of the best. Yeah, I think. And I, he'll I, know what to do against the 49ers. He will know what to do against the 49ers. I'm not saying they're going to completely shut them down, but he'll he'll have a game plan. And don't be surprised if they're struggling the first half. Spagnuolo's always been excellent at second half adjustments. Always excellent. Did it against the Eagles last year too. Yeah, and no, I think the you know Brett Veach, the GM, has done a really good job. You know, putting the pieces in place on on the on the defensive side for the for the Chiefs and. You know, going back to what we were saying earlier in the conversation, and I think that's the other thing to keep in mind, you know, Andy Reid's not going anywhere. Travis Kelsey's not going anywhere. And I, I think, you know, with if they do win Sunday and get, and get that third ring, 
what you're going to see over the coming years is is the Tom Brady effect, where you're going to have veterans and kind of higher end talent in the back nines of their career, who, you know, who want to go ring chasing, you know, to get that Super Bowl championship that's eluded them, and and they'll take um, lesser deals to do so. But you made such a great point on you know on Spags as as he's you know as he's known Steve Spagnola, he, you know, head coach maybe not for him. Uh, but certainly as a as a as a defensive coordinator, he's Hall of Fame with them. You know, as you said, if he if they win Sunday, he has to be. This will be his fourth. And he can just come up with you know, you see what they did to Lamar Jackson, and he can just come up with wrinkles. And and, and that's why I really can't see past the Chiefs because although the 49ers are, are slightly favored, I think. Yeah, I think a point and a half. I checked the line earlier today, at least on ESPN. It was a point and a half. They're giving a point and a half. And and that's why I don't gamble because I, I, I understand that they're they're a loaded team. You know, obviously, you know, Christian yeah. McCaffrey and you know Debo Samuel, George Kissel, you know, Ayuk, um, not to mention, you know, Bosa and what they you know, Trent yeah. Williams and just you, you know, they it, it's like it, it's like a team you'd you'd almost draft in fantasy, right? You know, just right. stop yeah. as many, especially IDP defensive, the defensive yeah. side of the fantasy ball, especially. But don't get me wrong with Purdy, McCaffrey, best running back in the game, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, these guys are are absolutely dangerous. I listen. I thought the Eagles were a better team on paper last year, and I still feel that. I still look back at last year's Super Bowl game. I'm like, how the hell did Philadelphia lose that game? Especially when you look at the box score, and Mahomes had like 187 yards. And I think, you know, Hertz had well over 300 yards, if I recall correctly, maybe like 350 yards. And Hertz didn't have a bad game. I'm like, how the hell did you lose that game? But the defense, Chiefs defense, you know, wound up second half, wound up, you know, putting the clamps down and uh, and they made enough plays. They made they made fewer mistakes, too. That's another thing with experience yeah. is the mistakes are such a difference maker in any NFL game. But it gets magnified you know, in the NFL and in, uh, in, in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And there's no, there's no doubt. Sorry, that um, Spagnola and that defense are going to have a game plan that that's been designed just for Brock Purdy. Now, I, you know, along with the dynasty talk and you know where will all the topics that you know first take and get up lead off with the you know the typical bar talk debates. You know where will Mahomes stand? It has been you know. What is Brock Purdy? And, and I think calling him a game manager is disrespectful. Now, I really like Joe Burrow coming out and saying, look, if you're not a game manager as a quarterback, you're fucked, basically. And I, and I thought that was a, a good way of yeah. him sticking up for what, for one of his, you know, for one of his brothers in the, in the fraternity. Yep. I think he's more than a game manager. And I think the, the fact that they, probably would have gone to another Super Bowl if he didn't hurt his, his arm shoulder. And the fact that they're now in the Super Bowl this year should tell you that alone. But if you just want to take one game as it's proof, it's what he did in the NFC Championship against the Lions. You know, they they were completely dismantled in every facet of the game in the first half. So yep. to have that, that poise and that calm of mind to not only come out second half not rattled mm-hmm. and then to do what he did you know those two runs he rattled off mm-hmm. to you know to to keep 
plays alive and extend plays. Yeah. That was kind of one of the first real times we've seen, okay, this guy can can ball. And he yeah. and he has got what it takes to 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 make the big plays when when needed. So I think calling him a game manager is disrespectful. And I think he has got a few big plays in him, but there's a couple of caveats. One, he's not on the Holmes' level. Could he get there? I don't know. And that's again, that's not being disrespectful. I just think Mahomes is such a well, singular talent that yeah, he's on his own. He'll never be. And, and sorry to interrupt, but real quick, like, mm-hmm. no, he, he'll never be Mahomes, but you don't need to be Mahomes. You don't, not everybody, you don't have to be Mahomes or Brady or take your pick of historical, you know, Peyton Manning, t- take your pick of quarterbacks. You don't have to be that level in order to win a Super Bowl, especially when you're on a good team. You know, you need to be, and like you were said, you know, people do throw around the term game manager in a, disres- in a disrespectful way. I'll put it this way. Game management is important. It's extremely important. And that's what good quarterbacks do. I think people have in their mind, and I think it's kind of an immature uh, point of view, but we all want a quarterback who can throw off platform, you know, with their, you know, they're running for the lives, throw a 50 yard strike off platform to their, we see to the receiver, you know, in the flat, in stride, you know, you want to, you, you always, who doesn't want a quarterback like that? That's extremely, extremely rare. And it's probably Mahomes and like a handful of other guys. You don't need to be that way, but you need to be a guy who makes quick, who makes good decisions and quick decisions and can deliver it an accurate ball. And the decision sometimes is to just not make the stupid mistake, to not give the ball over, you know, to, to not take the sack if it's avoidable, trying to extend a play where it's not going to happen. These All these things matter. Listen, Tom Brady didn't win every single Super Bowl. You know, um, not, I listen, Joe Montana won every single Super Bowl he was in, but, you know, he didn't make, you know, stupid decisions in, in crunch time. You know, um, you know, Phil, I'm, I'm a Giants fan, so let me just use my Giants as, um, you know, as examples here. Phil Sims uh, won Super Bowl 21. He, the Giants won Super Bowl 21 against the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. The Giants were a better team, period. I wouldn't say Phil Sims was a better quarterback than John Owe, but he didn't need to be. He had a, a stacked team and a st- or at least a stacked defense. He had to, you know, not make mistakes. And uh, and he also went 21 for 25 passing. He was MVP of that Super Bowl. Uh, Jeff Hostetler um, of the Giants, we beat the, the Bills in, in Super Bowl 25, is not a better quarterback than Jim Kelly. Eli Manning beat, you know, the Giants beat the Patriots twice when they when with Eli Manning at the helm. I love Eli Manning, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe not a first ballot, but I think a second ballot, third ballot, what have you. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame eventually. I know he's on. He's up for the Hall of Fame this year, first time on the ballot. I don't know if he's a first ballot, but I think he belongs there. But he's not Tom Brady. you know. And uh, you don't have to be those quarterbacks in order to win the Super Bowl. I think people get too wrapped up. And I also I love now, because everything is so quarterback-centric, I love now when like a team – as long as I don't hate the team, <laughs> uh, one of my NFC East rival teams, like the Eagles or the Cowboys or what have you, um, you know, if it's like a not an elite quarterback, but they play in a really good team and they pull out the win, I love that. I love that just because everything has become so quarterback driven yeah. uh, that you know. But well, listen, it, you don't you don't need to be Mahomes in order to win. We all know this team is good enough, and Brock Purdy, that term game manager is. I remember. I remember in the early 2000s, 
it probably didn't take until like I, I think like well into the middle of his career, maybe later when Tom Brady was not derided as a game manager. Early on in his career, even with like two or three Super Bowl rings on his fingers, he was derided as a game manager. He was. You know, I mean, you had Belichick there as a defensive coordinator. They had a great defense led by like Teddy, Teddy Bruschi and many other really, really, really good defensive players. Uh, and then eventually they got some really good wide receivers like Randy Moss. But for like the first half of his career, there were at least haters, people who, you know, uh, who just couldn't stand, uh, you know, the Patriots, uh, rivals of the team who would deride him as a, as a game manager. And he sure as hell was not a game manager. Well, here's, here's two more names for you. Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer. I love both Joe won, Flacco. Both, both one with the and and that's nothing against either player. I mean, you know what Flacco came back and did this year mm-hmm. with, with the Browns was incredible. But I, I mean, yep. you, you're hardly going to put Flacco or, or Dilfer on your Matt Rushmore of all time great. You're right. And, and they now, both one with the Ravens. You know what? And Dilfer, you can say, and it's not even hurtful to say that's a game manager, Trent Dilfer. And the guy who was the quarterback, yeah. what was it, Brad Johnson? What I think was, um, was he the quarterback of the Ravens in that 2000 Super Bowl, year 2000? I forgot who it was. Um, but Trent Dilfer, yeah, like that's a game manager. Like Brock Purdy, I think, has shown himself to be more than a game manager. Maybe he's not an elite level super cannon arm, you know, crazy pull the tricks out of your rear end while you're running for your life. Um, from the from the from the uh, pressure from the defensive end, but he's just a I think a, a good quarterback, and I think he's more than say a Trent Dilfer, which that's a great point. Like that's to me is the definition of a of a game manager. Someone also I think was a game manager or, or game manager plus. Who people used to like, I, I I thought they put him onto I have a pedestal. Alex Smith. I remember when yeah, when the Chiefs great when show. the Chiefs traded up for they traded up to get Mahomes in like 2017 or whatever class that was. And analysts were like, what are you doing? Because they had just gone to the playoffs with Alex Smith, and he's a good quarterback. But you need to build up your defense. And when a team wants to draft a quarterback, I give them all the leeway. And and I really didn't know much about Mahomes at the time. But I knew it was Andy Reid that took Mahomes. I'm like, ooh, you know, I, I you know, trusted Andy Reid. And uh, sure enough, like, I thought Alex Smith, these people used to talk about him. I was like, you got Alex Smith. Like, and you could win a Super Bowl, I guess, with Alex Smith. But I mean that was a serious upgrade, you know, with Mahomes. So I went in, on a tangent there. In twenty, we love tangents on this show. My my whole life is a tangent. Um, <laughs> Same here. In twenty one regular season games, Brock Purdy is seven seventeen and four. Yeah, he's completed sixty eight point seven percent of his passes for five thousand six hundred and fifty four yards. 44 touchdowns and just 15 picks. I'm sorry to all you absolute yo-yo bumchucks who refuse to to have a debate and just want to stick to your Monday morning quarterback Mm -hmm. garbage and go for the easy win by calling him a a game manager. Those are not the stats of a game manager. And and let, let me tell you something else as well. Brock Purdy has not only got a stupid amount of talent around him, but he's also got an incredibly smart football coach in Carl Shanahan, who yeah. I don't think gets the credit he deserves because of, I love him. Of, of the claps in the Super Bowl to the Patriots when Brady... And, and that, look, I think that was as much about Brady as it was about the Falcons, yeah. if I'm being honest. And, and, their, and, their, and their experience. 
and yeah. the overall experience on that team. That team, those are that Patriots team was loaded with guys who are in the playoffs every single year, who had multiple rings on their fingers. A lot of new generation, uh, next generation Pats. But that team, it wasn't just Belichick and, and Brady and a bunch of rookies. They still had plenty of guys on that team left over from the previous, you know, the last Super Bowl, the previous Super Bowl runs. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, and obviously, you know, this is a rematch of 2019 when when the, the Chiefs mm. won. But I think Kyle Shanahan is such an incredibly smart football guy, you know, obviously his oh. dad, Mike Shanahan, yes. um, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who has won Super Bowls and, and yeah, with Denver, you know, and, and there's another link in that. Um, and I didn't realize this Christian McCaffrey's, um, you're right. Ed dad, McCaffrey, Ed yeah. was yeah. the wide receiver. Um, That's right. In, uh, Yeah. Um, followed Mike Shanahan wow. to Denver and won two bowls, and he was with the 49ers. So, yeah, that is quite the that would be quite the father son duo. Obviously, Carl Shanahan's trying to, to join I that. I didn't with- even think about that. And I was a huge Ed McCaffrey fan because Ed McCaffrey was actually originally on my New York Giants. I yeah. think he was drafted like like 93, and I, I guess they traded him or released him or whatever. And I, I liked Ed McCaffrey, and he wasn't the Ed McCaffrey that he became on the Broncos. He wasn't there yet. But I remember him being a clutch player on a Giants team where they were in transi- transition from the Lawrence Taylor years to, you know, next-generation Giants, and they weren't good. But he was one of, like, the good young guys at the time. And I'm like, why did you let this guy go? And he wound yeah. up being even better than I ever thought he'd be. But that that's a great connection. We're going to take a quick break, and before we head back to our conversation with Joe, why not head over and check out the Steel Sports Bar, the Everyman Sports site for the Everyman Sports fan. We've got plenty of stuff up on there, including a load of Super Bowl stuff, my Super Bowl predictions. I've also gearing up for baseball season with spring training starting next week. We've got some cool free agency stuff up, and we're going to have a load of baseball preview content up on the site for upspring training plus some other cool features so uh head over to the steel sports bar.substack.com and uh happy reading right let's get back to our conversation with joe on super bowl 58 so we just took a quick uh break we were talking about kind of the the, the slew of really intriguing storylines that, that are in this matchup including the fact that if Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers win, he will join his his dad, Mike, as the only father-son tandem to win, to each win Super Bowl as head coaches, which is pretty cool. And then you've got the whole Christian McCaffrey connection that his his dad, Ed, uh, won Super Bowls with, with Mike Shanahan. So that's another really cool kind of wrinkle to this. But um, Joe, you, you had another Brock Purdy point to, to make before we went for break. Yeah, one one last thing in defense of Brock Purdy, who I think has been who's who I think is a good quarterback and not just a game manager. In that, they almost when they say when they throw around the term game manager, it's almost like hey, they're so surround this quarterback is so surrounded by talent that all he has to do is like hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, or you know, and the opposing defenses are fo- so focused on McCaffrey, he could just you know dump off to a wide open uh, Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. If it's that easy, and that's how when they say when they throw around the term derisively as game manager, if it's that easy, then why is Trey Lance no longer on this team? You know they they invested 
multiple first-round picks in this guy, Trey Lance, who has since been traded to the Cowboys this past season. Like, if what if what he's doing is so easy, they never would have let Trey Lance go. They never would have traded him because they invested multiple first-round picks in the guy, and they just would have let him do, you know, what apparently is, you know, supposedly easy. Right. So, but, you know, back real quick, like the point you made in the Lions game, this is this is pressure time, NFC championship game. You're down by like 17 points in the second half. And yeah, the defense clamped down, but you got to also put up points. And a, a Brock Purdy-led offense did that. So I think he's more than just a game manager. I think he's a very good quarterback, and he is not irrelevant, even though he's drafted as Mr. Irrelevant. And I, I think you you nailed it when you, you brought up the Tom Brady comp. I think the problem is with sports media today where kind of the hot take rules a day and it's, you know, throw out the most nonsense and see, you know, throw as much shit against the wall and see what sticks. I think people are scared to embrace what they don't understand. And we've been conditioned that, you know, you're only going to succeed if you're drafted as the number one pick or in the top five. But so, so, it, and I think, like you said, with Brady early on, there was probably a lot of that discussion, and and people aren't willing or ready to anoint Purdy as maybe better than he is because, well, hang on, he he can't be that good if he was drafted that late. But you see, in pro sports, it happens all the time that, that you know, and and I was reading um, uh, Peter King of NBC who does, you know, the, the two columns that, I mean, I read every single one of his Monday columns, but the two that I love the most are the one he does pre Super Bowl and then post Super Bowl. The, the pre Super Bowl one, he'll do the drive to work with one of the coaches. And this week it was Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan said to him that they had Purdy so high up. So I think there was always belief that he was good. He just, for whatever yeah. reason, kind of came off the the, the, the board last. But I, th- I think a lot of people in the media just aren't willing to give him the credit he deserves because of where he was drafted, which I, I think is wrong. And, you know, again, he has got one of the best football minds in the game, right? In in terms oh, yeah. of, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan and and those, those weapons around him. So, look, I... Uh, what we were saying before the break, he's not, he hasn't got the talent of a, of a Mahomes, but he showed in that second half, that Detroit game. And he showed throughout his career that he, it, it, like he doesn't get phased by the big moment. Now, what I will say to that is the Super Bowl is different. It, it's a, it's a different stage entirely. And I don't think you'll know how you'll react until you're in that moment. And I, and I think, Again, as we've discussed, that Chiefs defense is going to have some wrinkles that he's not going to see coming from from Spagnola. Yeah, that, Spagnola. is real. He he's really good. You know, he's really good. Like I said, especially the second, you know, a second, uh, not second, yeah, second half adjustments. Uh, he's really good. So that is the key thing is that you know he's a young quarterback um, who you know in the big game hasn't necessarily seen it all. But listen. It happened. It does happen quite often where the young quarterback, you know, who's in the Super Bowl for the first time, you know, shines. 
you know, comes, you know, just comes above it all and rises above it all and succeeds, you know? So, uh, you know, it happens. And that's how quarterbacks start making their bones and their reputations. And, and uh, listen, it, it's, I'm not surprised that the, I'm not surprised that the 49ers are giving a point and a half that are their favorite. I would never bet against um, Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes, you know, he did lose the Super Bowl. He's not going to win every Super Bowl. And the 49ers and Brock Purdy sure are damn enough. And Kyle Shanahan sure are, are darn good enough to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I I think Purdy's going to have some big moments. And I think it'll be the game where we'll look back and that'll be the game where he'll earn everyone's respect. But I just I'm just not going to go against Mahomes. But do you know what's so funny when I look at this yeah. this game? In in most other Super Bowls, there, there's one team that I'm definitely rooting for more, you know, more than the other team. You know, last year was the Chiefs because hey, we're New York sports fans, we can't root for Philly. Um, you know, the, the as a thing, Giants fan, I can't root for Philly. Yeah, I was very it, grateful for the Chiefs last year. <laughs> I'm still like, how the hell did you win that game? Like Bengals, Rams, it was Rams because of Matthew Stafford. I wanted to see him get his. Rams Patriots, it was the Rams because I wanted to see, you know, the big bad evil empire brought down. But th- this year, honestly, I-, I-, I think I'd be happy whoever wins because, you know, I- I've read a lot of articles this week about, well, you know, why does everyone hate the Chiefs? I mean, that's obvious because it- it's the same as any team that has success. You know, the Patriots were hated. People hated the Warriors in the end because they kept winning. You know, it- it's a tale as old as time. If, if you win consistently people are going to hate you because that's that's just a done thing but i i love andy reed you know he he's one of us on the touchline with his cheeseburgers i'm i'm a big fan of Mahomes. i, I just think what he's done is incredible and i think he's a a, a cool dude but I, I think on the other side like the 49ers one I, I think it'd be great for purdy i mean you know the last pick of the draft to go win a super bowl Again, I keep saying it, but I really respect Kyle Shanahan as just a, an incredibly smart yes. X's and O's football guy that, that's really helped kind of revolutionize the game. You know, you talk about legacy games. I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey, in terms of what he's done, I mean, among the league's active leaders in all purpose yards, he's got 10,728. And he's kind of a dual threat running back and that, you know, he can catch, he can run. Yeah. He can just change again. And I think for him to win would, would be incredible. And then look, I, I don't think, and I know you agree with me on this because we like to give the small, the, the, the lesser song guy some love. I don't think we big up the big guys enough. You look at what Trent Williams has done, you know, pro mm-hmm. bowl on his 11 of 13 seasons, First, you know, first team All Pro selections each of the last three seasons. How big a how, how big a, a piece he is on that 49ers team? I mean, for guys like that to go and get theirs, it, it was kind of the same as Stafford. You you root for guys like that to go and to to go get a ring. So, I I I, I don't really mind who wins. I just all all I want from Sunday is just a, a fun game of football that isn't. Uh-huh decided by it and because because the one thing that is worrying me there's been so much talk about officiating this year i just don't want a game that's decided on a bad call i just want a really and and i don't mind if it's a really hard-fought defensive kind of chess yeah i love defensive games you know 
Um, mm-hmm. may, maybe a few more points in the, I think, what was it, 9 3 uh, Rams Patriots? You know, I think I've gone 24 yeah. 13 for, for the Chiefs. We'll, we'll do our predictions in a minute. Ooh, only uh, 13 points. Um, wow. Whoa. I, 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 think it, I think even if it's like a defensive, an absolute kind of in the, in the trenches, all out war, I just want a really good game of football that's fun. Yeah. No, like, I don't want it to end on an officiating call. I don't want there to be. A, a call that's going to sour. I just want a really fun game, and whoever wins wins. That that's all yeah. I want from Sunday. I I want I, I I want a great game, regardless of wins. I don't hate either team. I respect with what you were just referring to with the Chiefs, and um, you know, people maybe starting to like you know getting tired of them. Like I do start rooting against teams like the Chiefs, um, you know, who start winning all the time. Just you know, because they're winning all the time. Uh, I don't. I never dis I never disliked the Patriots, um, and there were definitely times where I rooted for them. Um, the The Chiefs. It's more like I I actually am rooting for the Chiefs to win because I'd rather have them win than the 49ers. Um, the 49. I'm, I'm a Giants fan. When the NFC, I, I'd rather not. I would have rooted for the Lions uh, if they were the NFC uh, yeah. representative, uh, just because they even never even been to a Super Bowl. Um, and this would have been a really great game. I would have loved it for the Lions and the Browns. That was probably never going to happen. Uh, but I'd be cool with the 49ers winning. You know, they haven't won like in 30 years. I do I do want them to not win. So hopefully one day my Giants can catch up to them in the number of Super Bowl trophies. Uh, but um, there's, you know, it's there was an NFC rivalry there. And um, so I, I'd be rooting for the Chiefs. But, you know, it's I certainly don't hate the Chiefs or anything. Um, but, you know, they are winning all the time. and. Uh, you know, I, I'd be cool with them losing, but I, I guess fifty-one percent of me is on the Chiefs side, forty-nine percent is on the 49ers. But really, at the end of the day, I've got really no no horse in this race, and I'm just I'm looking for a great game. Yeah, I I I agree. If there, so I've got one thing to ask you. Then we'll go on to our Super Bowl predictions. I've got a quick halftime show question to ask you, and if we've got time. It wouldn't be us if we didn't finish off with some Jets Giants talk. But if there was a kind Sounds of a good. player that you looked at that that wouldn't obviously grab the headlines, but but could be the difference maker, like because for me, you know, we t- we we've we talked a lot about the defenses and and how elite Steve Spagnuolo is. I think I think Chris Jones for me could be the kind of game breaker in this one because I do. The more I think about, it, the more I'm leaning towards. It's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff's going to be won and lost on the defensive side, and I think I think given that you know he's his future's not decided, you know obviously the yeah. Chiefs are going to have to work some money around to bring him back, but he could you know with an all time performance really earn himself a nice kind of payday. I, I think he could be the game breaker. What about you? Is there is there a player on either side that 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 wouldn't uh, isn't really being talked about, but you would look at and think, okay, they could be. I I will. I, on the defensive side of the ball, I can't pick anyone out of the 49ers because they're they're so loaded, like with name, like well known name stars on play, well known name players uh, on on defense. I I'm not gonna say Fred Warner. Like it's they're so well stacked. Like any of those players, I think could wind up being you know the decisive player in, in the, on the defensive side of the ball. But on the side of the ball, uh, Chris Jones automatically comes to mind because he's such a, 
a dominant, probably the best interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL has been for a while now. I'm going to go with Nick Bolton on the Chiefs, yeah. who is a player who tends to be around the ball all the time. And he was a key player last year in the last year's Super Bowl against the Eagles. Don't be surprised if Nick Bolton, um, he's he plays the run very, very well. He plays it violently, actually. And he's actually good in coverage. He's an all-around three-down linebacker, legitimate. And I wouldn't be surprised, like, if um, with Ed McCaffrey, if that winds up being a big difference maker, because usually it's going to be a linebacker who's on McCaffrey when he's going out on the flat or wherever, you know, to take a pass, which he often does, you know, um, to receive the ball as, as a receiving threat. So Nick, I've got my eye on Nick Bolton. Um, he's probably my player to watch on the defense for the Chiefs. Like I said, I don't have – there's no one player on the 49ers who sticks out. Yeah, you know, you, you can say the defensive end, Bosa, um, but that's not a surprise, you know. That's like saying, hey, look out for Lawrence Taylor. You know, like, you know, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. big deal. Uh, but so I like I like Nick Bolton just because he's a really good player. But I don't think anyone, you know, sees him. And understandably so. It's like I don't think they look at the Chiefs players outside of – on the defensive side of the ball, but outside of Chris Jones. is like you got to look out for this guy as fans. I mean, as fans. But, you know, Nick Bolton to me, I think uh, – I wouldn't be surprised when we look back if he's like a huge difference maker – on this team on the defensive side of them in this game on the defensive side of the ball. I think to your point, I think on both sides of the ball, the 49ers are just going to rely on everyone to get, to get the job done tomorrow. But I think for that, man, yeah, front seven stacked. Like I said, they're like the evil empire of football with, with that, that team. I think offensively for me, for the Chiefs, it'd be probably Pacheco just because Mm -hmm. you, you can pence, you can book it in now that there's going to be two or three plays tomorrow that Andy Reid has either thought of this week or he's dialed up that he, yes. he used back in. Because there was a play they used in the Ravens game. Um, Peter King also reported this. It was a, it, it was a tu- it ended in a touchdown with, with Kelsey, but it was a play they last used in 2016, I think. With, um, was, it, was Travis Kelsey the recipient? Yeah. Okay. It was uh, when it was before Mahomes. Alex Smith was the the QB. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. you know that he's going to think of two or three wacky plays, and I and I think they'll they'll lean on on Pacheco to to do uh, for that. Before we, because um, I, I want to know your Super Bowl prediction. I don't think, although you and me are, are football purists, I don't think we can have a Super Bowl show without touching on the halftime show because. That is also a big part of this. I certainly have okay. friends that, ju- that literally just turn on for the halftime show and then turn back off. I was a little yeah. bit underwhelmed <laughs> this year. I, 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 nothing against I our show. Usher, but- yeah, I think that's a great, I think he's a great pick for a halftime show. And I'm not the biggest Usher dude. But it's like, same thing Taylor Swift. Like, I probably know his song, but I don't know if it's by him. But I'll, I'll like it, you know, because I've heard his music. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like the song. And later on, I find it's, it's, it's Usher. I'm 52. After 1989, kind of music just starts kind of like graying out for me. Um, yeah. uh, uh, but it's uh, I think that's a great pick for the halftime show, Usher. I'm sure he's a good showman. He's been around for a long time. You want a good performance, not just good songs, but you want a good like you know 20 minute, 30 minute performance or whatever yeah. it is. So, and I think you probably unlike, know better than me. You're younger than I. Unlike Rihanna last year, and let's let's face it, she didn't yeah. need anyone else. I I'm pretty sure he's going to have some special guests Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if we see three or four from that kind of era of nineties 
kind of R and B hip hop. Like I think you're yeah. kind of so that that'll be fun to see. Um, so let's get down to to brass uh, brass taxes, as they say. Before we do some Giants and Eagles talk, Super Bowl predictions. So I, I mentioned mine earlier. I, I think I'm going to go 24 13 for the Chiefs. I, I, Damn. I, I think that defense is going to have a. I love Spagnolo, but man, 13 points. Yeah. Wow. Feel Holy free to God. laugh well, at me when the, chi- when the 49ers put up 40 points. I'm, but. I'm not laughing. I respect your opinions, Andrew. I'm like, man, like, wow. All right. That's, um, no, I respect it. Not laughing whatsoever. Um, I'm gonna go. Damn, I think the Holmes will be MVP as well. By the way, which is like obvious. I know. If I were were a betting man, (laughs) yeah, that's like. Listen, I assume he was MVP last year, and he put up 187 yards. I'm assuming he was MVP. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, But one thing I'll count. All right, first of all, final score. I'll say. I'll say 24-23 Chiefs. Okay. I'll say 24-23 Chiefs. And it's probably going to be that minute and a half, you know, Chiefs having the ball last or something like that. Or it could be a Spagnola defense making the stop. But it's going to, it's going to, I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to come down to, you know, the last drive, whether someone, a team puts up the points or they make, or the other team put, makes a great stop. Like it's, I think it's, I'll say 24 23. Yeah. I, I am, I am hoping that the 49ers put up more points than 13. I'm kind of, I think the ideal scenario is like CMC would rip off like a forty-yard run with with eight minutes left to go to put them within a score, or need or force the Chiefs to go back and score. And it goes as you said, it goes down to the last play. That would be the the dream scenario. Yeah, it, listen, it could even be this the, the score prediction that you gave. It could still even be a great game where, if like, say, like the last touchdown put up, put up by the Chiefs happens, like you know, with like you know, kind of like garbage time, like two minutes left, like they have. They have the ball. They have control of the clock, and it's almost like that score doesn't even really count. Something like that. Like I do think it's going to be a really good game. I myself do not mind defensive battles at all. I like it. You know, they're now fighting. I'm old school football. I grew up in the '80s. It was yeah. all about defensive football back then. I don't mind it whatsoever, especially when you're expecting offensive fireworks. I it doesn't bother me at all. Um, but I'll, I'll go with 24. I'll go with 24, 23, um, 24, 23 Chiefs. Um, but I like your prediction. I, I hope it's uh, like a lower scoring game. I think that would be a lot of fun. I really but, do. And it's basically when it comes to those lower lower scoring games, it really comes down to who's going to make fewer mistakes, who's going to have fewer penalties. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, the the, the Ravens are the better, um, the 49ers, sorry, the better team, in my opinion, anyway. But I think to your point there, the Ravens, the, the reason the Ravens lost because. I mean, the the amount of points the Chiefs put up, they really should have lost that game. But the reason the Ravens lost was they yeah. just they were just so damn undisciplined. Like they and, and yeah. it showed that they haven't really been to that bigger stage before, and they and they crumbled. But I don't think the 49ers are that. I think that they're, they're they're a lot more well drilled than that. So, like I said, all I want I'm with you. is just a good, just a good fun game. But um, we're gonna veer off from the Super Bowl and finish with some Jets chance talk. Cause I looked the last time I had football baby. The last time I had you on was, was we did the live show for the, uh-huh. for the draft. We were recording as the draft was happening on the, I think on the Saturday. Okay. Well, that, I remember we were going to do one and we couldn't connect. 
Um, was it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I don't yeah. remember. Yes, yes. And that mm-hmm. seems like, like only yesterday. It's crazy. We're now obviously. Man, that was know, a long time ago. Before the soup. And there was so much hope, so much excitement. And, and as always, teams. New York sports has a way to, to keep you in the cubes time and time again. Yep. yep. So we'll. I have a lot to say about my Jets. I'm not going to say it all here because, you know, we, we've gone on for a while. But one thing I want to pose to you, or a couple of things in one. So there's obviously a lot of conversation about, you know, Saquon Barkley and Jones, and it seems that they're going to stick with Jones yeah. for, for this year. And I don't believe that. Um, but... You know, and, and the hope is that, okay, Brian Dable had a, had a great first year. Last year wasn't great, but he kind of kept the team together. But here's what I want. I'm going to be a hot take artist here. Do I'll probably agree with your hot take. <laughs> the, Mar- the, the, the Mara family are in the back of their mind thinking, right, we're almost win-win here because we're going to give him the third year. And if he succeeds and it's like his first year, then great. We still have the head coach we thought we had. But mm-hmm. if he falls on his face again... We'll just go give our old friend Bill Belichick a call. Take him off that, the bench and bring him for 2025. A, listen, don't tease me like that. As a 52-year-old who grew up in the 80s, who we all worship Bill Belichick, not just Parcells and LT and the players. We all worship Bill Belichick. And that is what sh- it should have been back in 1991 when uh, Parcells um, retired, at least at the time, temporarily retired from the Giants, retired from football for a year or two. Belichick should have been uh, the head coach, but you're going back to the time when George H.W. Bush was president and, and Thatcher was in office. So we're talking, <laughs> we're talking 30 years ago, you know, so it's um, uh, a long time ago, thir- over 30 years. Uh, but man, it's like, what should have been, you know, and uh, with, with Parcells, uh, with Belichick, so don't tease me like that. But I will say this before I get into my Giants, your Jets, I think your Jets are, uh, and I can go into more detail later. I think your Jets are in very good position. Stay where you are. Aaron Rodgers will be back. I think if Aaron Rodgers were healthy, you guys had something like six wins this year. You easily would have had 10, 11 wins and would have went to the playoffs. I think you would have won this division, actually. Stay where you are. Aaron Rodgers will be back. I think you guys are in great position. But now to my Giants, real quick. Um, Yeah, Dable should have gotten the third year. But, man, it's really scary with him because I think a lot of what happened this this year – uh, is his fault him and Daniel Jones and I've always been a Daniel Jones backer I've been a huge time oh, supporter. on this show you're known was, as a Daniel Jones the uh, president I don't of the hide. Daniel Jones fan club uh, uh, I, I don't hide I don't hide um uh but you know what I saw like the first like six weeks it was like watching Sam Donald a few years ago like in a, a Monday night football game against the Patriots when he's hot mic'd and he says I'm seeing ghosts. ghosts that's what Daniel yeah. that's what Daniel Jones looked like and I expected him to take the next step forward, second year of the offense, Brian Dable, yada, yada, yada. And it was horrible. Uh, so I will put him as culprit number one. But to me, or culprit, culprit 1A, culprit 1B to me is Brian Dable. The whole team looked lost. Not just Daniel Jones. The whole team looked lost for like six weeks. Offense, offensive line, defense, special teams looked lost. Uh, and now you had the... Everything with the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, that went down. Uh, Kafka was looking to get out. Um, other teams, uh, other coaches that have left on, on their own for other opportunities in college or wherever, or even the NFL, who left on their own. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a crap show. It's a crap show. And uh, 
I, I do think it's mostly on Brian Dable, and he was head coach of the year last year. You know, that's and I and I think well deserved. Uh, but man, like there's a there's a problem with him, and and he's going to have to change, make some changes internally with him and how he deals with his coaches because apparently the player, everything I've always heard is the players like him. But man, what I've seen with his fellow coaches, like it's not, uh, it, it wasn't pretty. So I don't know what to expect. If I'm ownership, I'm letting the general manager make those decisions. And the general manager is very, very close to the head coach. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to make the decision because his job's on the line as well. Like if, you know, yeah. uh, th there's a lot involved. Like I go out for a half an hour. There's too much involved there. But Brian Dable right now looks like, you know, I, I, he is a culprit in all of this that went on. I, I have to say what went down with Wink Martindale and, and everything that's come out, because there's been a laundry list of stuff that's come out. Everything that I've read and heard about how he dealt with coaches wouldn't exactly yeah. fill me with confidence if I'm a Giants fan in terms 100%. of the kind of guy I've got running my football program. What about, um, you know, because this is also a beloved Saquon. point in, in New York sports media is, is, is Saquon Barkley. What, what I've, I've always been, it just to cut you off real, it just cause I, I'm, I'm ready to go on Saquon. I, I was saying last year and I would still do this. I would sign him to a good contract. I want him around. It's not like we're loaded anyway. This team is loaded with offensive player playmakers. So if we're not, we don't have to worry about signing a wide receiver one. What's the problem here? Who we don't have any player makers, any playmakers to, to sign that are competing with, with Saquon. It's not an either-or competition here. My worry is when people, other fans, say, like, well, we're not going to sign Saquon. We'll put that money somewhere else. Running back position is probably the cheapest you're going to get for your money in terms of actually being able to score. Like Christian McCaffrey is making 16 or $16.5 million a year. Okay? And he is much better uh, and much more important offensively, in my opinion, than, say, 95, at least 95% of the wide receivers out there. You're going to pay at least $18 million a year for a wide receiver, too, who's probably like, eh, you know, like a Christian Kirk who went to the Jaguars, what, a year and a half ago for $18 million a year. I'd rather have a playmaker in Saquon Barkley than the vast majority of wide receivers. And I think there's too much focus on wide receivers anyway. I think you need to develop these guys, to be honest with you. Um, I want that dude. He wants to be a giant. He's made it clear. I want him. I would give him. I don't even care. I would give him, and no one else is throwing this number around, I'd give him the Christian McCaffrey $16 million a year, at least for two years guaranteed. You maybe make it a three-year contract where you can like backload stuff, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, like a, a team option. He's like 27 years old, 26 years old, old. He doesn't have all that much wear and tear. And people look at like, they say, well, I kind of had like a down this year, this year. Dude, the offensive line let up 84 sacks this year, and they've regressed in the in the run game. And that's a whole other story, the offensive line and the coaches and the offensive philosophy. That's a whole other thing. That's not Saquon Barkley. For me, you're talking to a Giants fan who I want to keep this dude. I'm not giving him a five-year deal, but I'll give him a three-year three -year deal, two-year guaranteed. I don't care. And he's a leader on this team. And if he, if he goes, it's not going to look good. And I'm worried, like, okay – I'm not worried about who are you going to replace with him at the running back position. I think he's more than just a running back. I think he's a, a, a playmaker who plays out of the running back position. Where are you going to put that money on some mediocre offensive line player? Yeah, you know who may not live up to your expectations if your quarterback is not adept at you know scrambling away. You know from from the like so much goes into quarterback play on the offensive line. You know like um, 
where are you going to put that money on a mediocre whatever player? Like you actually, I think you got a player like a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or some of these other guys like a Jonathan Taylor. You got more bang for your buck. So we got uh, we got That's ten me. we got ten minutes left before we we get a go. So before we touch Wait, on the, the Jets, before we touch well before we touch on the Jets quickly, let me just throw this one more Belichick thing at you because. I read this somewhere and, I, and I'm amazed it's not being brought up more because it's actually a really good point. So there's there's a, a general school of thought within NFL executive uh, circles that the reason Belichick didn't get a job was that so every team other than the Patriots have invested huge amounts in analytics and mm-hmm. have a, a, a full team of analytical people. Well, Bill doesn't like analytics and doesn't use analytics. Really? So I didn't even know that. <laughs> in order to bring him in, you would be asking a team to fire 20 to 30 people, which is probably why. And why would you do that for a 72, 73-year-old coach? You, you know what I mean? But the Giants... A 72, 70-year-old coach with, what, uh, with uh, what, eight Super Bowl rings on his fingers, including two as a DC for the Giants, but... I realized that was true. 30 years ago, but, it's, you know, but, but the team, the Patriots team has been bad for but, the past years. But, I hear you. I'm just throwing it out there, but no, I, I'm you, with you. you make a good point, but the, the, the Giants are a more traditional franchise. Obviously the, the Maras are very traditional. They have that friendship. I think that's one to keep an eye on. I think if it, I think if the season goes into the toilet this year uh, in 2024, I, I, I would keep an eye on, on big bill and the big blue. I don't. I don't have a problem. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd love it, but it's funny. I can imagine, like what you just said. I didn't even know that that he doesn't have. Like I thought the Giants had been the only team that like didn't really didn't that didn't really invest in analytics. You know that basically didn't have like an analytics department. Because it's funny because the running. You know, I was going to say a running joke, but it's true. Dave Gettleman, the previous general manager of the Giants, he's an old timer as well. He's kind of like in his you know late sixties, early seventies, and he was someone who like didn't really subscribe to analytics too much and he, he certainly didn't have our own analytics department we might have had a guy or two but i think it was after his first year i think it might have been his second year maybe yeah it was his or his third year when they hired joe judge and your questions were like hey you know what's going are you guys going to hire some analytics because you got joe judge he's a young guy you know he's into analytics and and are you going to hire analytics and, and the way dave gettleman his response was was something to the effect of yeah, you know, uh, you know, we hired some computer guys. <laughs> oh, computer guys! I loved it. So, so uh, that that was just a fun. Whenever I whenever I hear about analytics, like the first thing that pops in my mind is Gabe, Dave Gettleman saying, "Yeah, you know, we hired some of those computer guys." <laughs> I I mean, look, an- analytics has a has a huge place in sports, and yeah. you, you kind of have to embrace it. No, it but- does. When when I get ready to want to throw a computer out the window and go and kick one of those analytical people in the cubes is when you have a situation in baseball when a pitcher's riding a perfect game or you know he's riding you know he's riding a no hitter in a playoff game and he gets taken out after six innings because that's what the 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 nerds say that's the only time I get annoyed. Oh, I'm with you. Look at Brandon Staley. You know, he's no oh. longer the head coach of the Chargers because of analytics. For, for it's, it's like when people criticize, like, uh, what is it called? Uh, PPF? Um, you know, the grading system and uh, yeah. the PPF I'm thinking of. Yeah, like, 
there's some people who are like, you know, PPF, 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 and other people are hi- hypercritical. I think hypercritical is because at times other people, re- re- they rely on that, on that grading too much. And the perspective I take is that it's all, they're all tools. They're all different types of tools on how to measure things. And I, I think analytics is important. It's not the, the whole thing, which you saw with, you know, I think Brandon Staley, who was acting like it was analytics was everything. And maybe even Dan Campbell, you know, to, to an, ex- yeah. an extent. We're both Campbell fans, but what we saw in that game, like, listen, there were, there were decisions made there where like, is this, I'm just thinking, is this what analytics is telling you? And I know Dan, like, you can't be a guy who's like overly too much into analytics. You don't strike me that way. But I'm like, why are you making these decisions? But anyway, there have been a lot of bad decisions made on based on analytics. And, you know, those later on, they'll say the analytics say, the analytics say, like, there's, there's too much. So it's a combination. Analytics experience counts for everything. He has head coaches and GM. But, yes, I would love Bill Belichick back as um, as head coach if we need to. Um, listen, nobody's going to run – an entire show anymore at the age of 72 in terms of being a general manager and a head coach and doing everything else like he was. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so before we... he, didn't, he didn't do well with it after, after Brady no. left anyway. No, I think, I think yeah, I, I think... I, I, and I think while the record wasn't great, I, I think his record as a GM had been far worse for far longer. Yes. So I think that aspect, you can't be given that that freedom again but before we go just let me quickly make my jet uh, my jets point yes i wish i could share your optimism because let me quickly we've only got literally got a couple minutes so i'll be quick but four minutes and 17 seconds i was i was very i was very excited for last season and then he went down her and, and i think after that all the joy got sucked out you couldn't really enjoy it i i never really believed yeah. in wilson i think if, if you don't if you're the number two pick and you can't show anything in two years, I, I think you don't really deserve yeah. another chance. But I think the reason I'm so down on next year before we, you know, we've not even finished this season is because a lot of the stuff that you worried about Rogers did start to happen. You know, the comments he made on Pat McAfee, uh, the times he kind of called it. And then That's now, the, noise. don't worry now, about that. That's now, noise. now certain reports and, and, even if you shut the outside noise, I need to see it. I need to see how a four-year-old comes off an injury like that. And I, and not only that, that offensive line was at talk about a hot stinking dumpster fire. I've yeah. walked I've walked down um blocks in New York that mm-hmm. stunk less than that offensive line. And that's yeah. Oh, I, I think MSG I'm a on a Monday I morning. I know which ones. <laughs> that is ripe. And, and yeah, that offensive line In the stuff. middle of the summer. So uh, forget the outside noise stuff. For me, the offensive line completely needs rebuilding. And I'm not convinced you can do that in one off season. I mean, they've already spent so much capital. No, and and I don't get the obsession. And this isn't the team's obsession because there's reports that the, the team won and gone, but I don't get Roger's obsession with Nathaniel Hackett because to me, I don't understand the offensive genius. I just haven't seen it. I get you, but you know what? The thing is that I, I think he's comfortable with Hackett and you want to make a quarterback like, like Aaron Rodgers, you want to make him comfortable. He's had, he had, I think Nathaniel Hackett, like most coaches that have come out of Green Bay during the Aaron Rodgers year, Aaron Rodgers made careers for many coaches 
uh, who 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 moved on to other teams because of Aaron Rodgers. So who we love the way Green Bay Packers do things. It's Aaron Rodgers. There's you know, Ben McAdoo, head coach of the Giants, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and there are others too who didn't make head coach but made OC or you know tight end coach or whatever. It was all Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, wants Hackett as, as his OC, let it roll and don't worry about it. The main focus is not Hackett. It's Aaron Rodgers and what he can do. And at, listen, he's like 40 or whatever. We only have like a minute and a half left. He's 40 years old, but today's 40 is not yesteryear's 40. I, no, I wouldn't. I, I, as, long as, as long as his, you know, whatever tour is ACL, whatever it was, as long as that's, as long as that's, as long as that's healed, believe in Aaron Rodgers until he retires. Yeah, no, but believe me, I want to drink all the Kool-Aid I can and I want to believe that we that it's going to be a golden year. But I think at this stage, I it, look, it, it's a typical New York sports fan, right? It's the same with the Knicks. I, I, I'm not going to be... Uh, I, I can't allow myself to be that fully invested until I see it because that's, that's Your how... Your emotions don't invest 100%. No, no. But, I, um, I'm with you. I After like week four last year for the Giants, like emotionally... I shut down. I follow, but I shut down. We got less yeah, in a minute. We got less. Well, we'll, um, we'll we'll sign off there. But Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I always love having you. Thanks on. for having and me. Man. We'll we'll try and get you on in the off season. But have a great time watching the Super Bowl. Let's, Enjoy. Let's hope we both get our wish, and it's a great game. And um, yeah. yeah, we'll talk soon. Totally. Thanks for having me, audience. Take care. Love you, and enjoy twenty twenty four. Thanks, man. Yeah.